Welcome to Beyond the Craft. I'm Adam Theobald, founder and CEO of Automentum. And today I'm about to jump into a call with the inspiring and trailblazing Kim Teo, founder and CEO of Mr. Yum. Join as we chat about a really awesome topic, which is digitizing hospitality. Kim, thanks very much for your time. Great to have you. <laughs> so good to be here. Listen, Kim, you and I have something in common. We're super, super passionate about digitizing hospitality. And I'm so in awe of the great stuff you're doing at Mr. Yum. Um, can you take us back to, you know, what is Mr. Yum and how is it that you got into it? Yeah, Mr. Yum is today, it's known for being a mobile ordering and payment uh, platform for uh, all sorts of hospitality and entertainment venues. So anything from um, a cafe to a restaurant to a bar and pub, um, but we also do stadiums and airports and um, we're doing the night noodle market at the moment, which is the first kind of big scale um, event or, or festival that we're, that we're doing too. Um, the, the, what we're really passionate about is, is trying to re-innovate the like dining in or like the, the in-venue experience rather than the um, at-home experience. So thinking about um, Night Noodle Market as an example, not having to stand in line, like being able to order in one checkout from multiple vendors at the same time. So you can actually go to an event and hang out with your friends and um, place an order and not have to go and stand or like figure out, you know, which um, person in the group is going and standing in which line and then trying to coordinate all your food and get it back together again. Um, which, you know, we thought was the, the least lovely part about going to a festival like that. So trying to uh, re- reinvent what going to something like Night Noodle Market um, feels like. Well, that's, that resonates with me 1,000%. <laughs> I love the noodle markets, really confused on where to go, don't want to wait <laughs> in every queue. Um, it's like you built it for me. Um, hey, hey, tell me, um, going back to before the pandemic, um, I just want to get a lens of like what did – Mr. Yum looked like at that point in time? Um, what were you focused on? And, you know, sort of talking about, we've all had so much change in our life over the last couple of years. What did Mr. Yum look like before the pandemic? Yeah, we were really uh, small before the pandemic. We started in November 18, actually as a uh, visual menu is, was the concept, meaning the initial insight was people are visual and they go into a restaurant and they're like looking around the room, trying to figure out what people are eating or they're going on Instagram and trying to like piece together this um, puzzle of a menu and all of that's because humans are visually led and menus are text-based and they'd been text-based for like 250 years um, and they hadn't really changed like the writing's gotten a little bit less squiggly and you know we're using computers now to type stuff and sort of handwrite stuff but a lot of um, menu structure and menu content and the way the menus are presented hadn't changed so the initial insight is like how do we make menus more interactive, so photos, but also language translations, um, definitions of ingredients. Now we've got allergens and dietaries and starting to like add more and more um, content for customers to better make decisions for themselves. We were 12 people pre-COVID. It was pretty challenging to um, the, the ordering and then the ordering piece came later. So, you know, you had the menu, then you could take an order and take a payment. We were in about, I think it was 50, maybe 55 um, locations pre-COVID doing the ordering and payment um, and had only really started rolling out It's in September 2019 uh, before, you know, 
so maybe four or five months before the March 2020 happened um we were really small team of 12 including like for the four founders and two developers so like actually like hardly anyone um and because of uh the because of COVID pivoted into um bringing out a takeout and delivery product which ended up being awesome for our brand it's not our main focus and it's not our passion you know trying to get food to your house um our passion is the in restaurant experience but it really helped us with yeah building brand I'm pretty passionate about home delivery right now as I sit here in lockdown. But um, but look, that sounds super, super, super interesting. Um, I wanted to ask you a question about, like, you've seen some enormous success, which we'll talk about. But when we talk about those moments where you knew you were onto something, um, look, you're a confident, capable, amazing person that's doing great things. And I've been lucky enough to meet a few of your team, and they're just fantastic. And I think you recruit an amazing group of people. It's one of your massive skills. But but just before that, right, you're in the starting moments, you're in the throes of it, you probably haven't found product market fit yet. What were like some of those early signals or signs that you were onto something where you got really passionate and excited that, hang on, we might actually pull this off? Yeah, no, you hire well too. So it's not um, <laughs> not stuff that's uh, congratulations to you and your team as well. Um, Thank you. Yeah, the, I think in, at the start, what we learned from our previous businesses um, which Adrian had maybe five or six previous businesses and um, Kerry and I have both had two. Um, like traction and product market fit doesn't happen overnight. You know, we didn't expect um, to start Misty Yum and then for it to be like a success straight away. And you know that if it was a success straight away that probably there, was, there wouldn't, you know, there would already be some pretty developed competitors in the market or there'd be a market leader or the category was really really well defined because when you're trying to sell something or you're trying to pitch something that no one's really ever you know thought of before I think um, you'll always come up against some some resistance our um, yeah there were a few moments for us the kind of first two key brands that we signed up were Fun Lab who um, do like strike bowling and holy moly and um, those uh, entertainment venues was our second group and the Australian Venue Co were our first and both those instances um, the teams that we spoke to had both been like looking for a product actually looking overseas and like just searching high and low for something that um, would be fit for purpose and both of them had tried different versions of other products that weren't um, they might have been like loyalty products or there were other products trying to or, or one was a um kind of a chaos product that they then built out built out a web app for and one was a loyalty product that they built where they were thinking about building a web so it's like trying to morph other products into what they wanted um we came along and uh shared a, a really common vision with them around you know how do we make a super frictionless um di- dine-in experience exciting and um i think it was the it's always the initial customers giving you some hopes that your um yeah that your idea is not entirely crazy (laughs) yeah i mean and to land such amazing initial venues as well like to have them looking for you whilst you were putting it out there that must have been a really cool moment it's a it's a it's actually ironic um i think because you'd see this as well like when you're thinking about digitization sometimes the smbs um they don't have the headspace they they don't have the marketing person 
or the like loyalty person or the data person or the IT person to like even think about this stuff. So we found it actually easier in the early days um, working with the more innovative groups because they'd um, kind of been pondering the what next. And, you know, we happened to slot into one of the next things that were, you know, on their, on their roadmap. So, yeah, and then, and then it flowed on. It was harder to get SMB support because say you're like the first one in a, um, in a suburb, like <laughs> to be the first one in a suburb is pretty challenging. And to say, no, your, your customers are not going to have ever tried something like this before, but you should educate them and you should give it a shot. It's going to make a big difference to your business. Yeah. Like that is yeah. quite a stretch. Feel free to do all the work for us sort of thing almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like the first venue um, that we rolled out to, like they had to, you know, teach the customers, they had to educate. They, um, yeah, they had to kind of do a lot of the heavy lifting. So, yeah. That's that's super cool. And um, tell me, when you when you think about the pandemic, how did it change and accelerate the business? Like what were some of the things that started to occur? Because I... Look, I mean, quite honestly, it was a very scary time for everyone. But from a business perspective, we were really worried for the industry. Um, how did you approach it and how did it help and hurt you over the journey of the pandemic? It helped, It hurt us at the start. And then I think we started to realise how much it would help uh, Mr. Yum. When we were 12 people, we um, had raised a really small, like one and a half mil round, but nearly like, 12 months ago from when the pandemic happened so like 10 months earlier and you know what that would have been like in terms of your burn and your cash flow in that moment um we didn't know if it would last for six weeks or six months um we knew we had a product that wasn't applicable anymore <laughs> so no our revenue like our transaction volume went to zero our revenue went to zero overnight um lucky we were a very small team at the time and our team ended up um taking a I think it was like a 20% salary sacrifice which helped us like extend our runway um they ended up getting ASOP in Mr. Yam like options in Mr. Yam to uh compensate them for the you know 20% change in their in their salaries which has worked out pretty well today um and some of them went harder than that and uh, are really happy that they, they did that. But from a kind of from a pretty early stage at the start, we thought we were in a bit of trouble. We ended up building the take up product really quickly. Um, I think those were some really defining moments for our um, culture. Like really this like, what do you do when your back's up against the wall and how do you react? And um, do you make decisions quickly? Like we didn't, I don't think we even really like thought that much about whether we would launch a takeout product. We instantly realized that that's what our customers would be calling us for. We got a seven day heads up and we started to build it as soon as we realized that the restaurants would be shut. Um, I don't even reckon we had a meeting about whether we should or not. We just knew that if that's what they needed, then that's what we should do. And we should try and find a way to do it as quickly as possible. We launched it two days after the restaurants closed, which was, like awesome timing um and as soon and then in six weeks we managed to build all of our transaction volume from pre-lockdowns back up in like takeout and delivery like in like it was crazy we had way more customers than 55 and we had 
so much like we'd made up all the volume that we'd lost and all the revenue that we'd lost in six weeks and from that moment I think we knew that we were in a really good position and our phones were ringing all the time and we became kind of the brand that adapted the most quickly and could stay abreast of all the challenges that were happening um Melbourne brought out like a hey you can only go five kilometers away from your home and we brought out like a discovery page where you could put your address in and it would tell you all the places that were 5Ks away. So we just continued to like stay with the changes and stay agile and try not to make, just try not to like overthink this decisions in those moments because um, yeah, you can spend like a week thinking about it and then the opportunity is gone. <laughs> That's amazing. It sounds like I, mean, I, I use the term with our team galvanizing, like having been through the darkest moments, like everyone came yeah. together. And then when things opened up, it's kind of this really accelerated um, excitement and positivity was kind of what we felt. It sounds like that, but also combined with the, the capability of your team to pivot and change the product and work with it. That sounds like a pretty incredible effort. Thank you. Yeah. And we think about that today, like we're trying, you know, we're so, we have, 160 people now or something and we're hiring like five people a week at the moment it's like just absolutely like there's five people starting a week at the moment um and we're trying to figure out how we like keep our agility and we're making this the squad smaller and smaller and you know trying to break the team down into smaller teams and like trying to make sure that we don't lose any of our um decision making like we'll lose some of our decision-making speed, but not all of it. Um, so yeah, in these kind of high growth moments and 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 moments where we don't have COVID like lockdowns anymore, like how do we create this galvanizing, um, how do we create these galvanizing moments and how do we do stuff that maybe we thought that wouldn't have been that easy to do? Yeah, just incredible. Tell me, Kim, if you think about the journey we're both on um, in digitizing an industry, um, where do you see the industry today? Um, how far into that journey are we from your perspective, both from Missy Yum, but more broadly in terms of a digitization thing? Uh, I think I think we're early. I'd love to hear your opinion on this too, um, Adam. So after I, <laughs> I hand the over to you. Um, I think we're early. I think when you look at other industries um, and we're both, you know, half in hospitality, half in technology. So we're both like really surrounded by other awesome startups that are doing stuff in retail, doing stuff in like a million other industries or property, et cetera, and disrupting all these other industries. And we're also in hospitality. I think um, we are, it feels very much like we're at the beginning um, in restaurants and probably one thing that has been a really big catalyst that I hope is the catalyst that keeps it going is I think the perception of the te technology partners in the restaurant industry in the past have been very like wall garden meaning I don't want to integrate with anyone and like this is my world and um and I don't want to let anyone else in and if you integrate with us then it gives you an opportunity to work with our customers and maybe I lose some like advantage or brand equity there or whatever and I think that's changed so I think um, reservation companies 
POS companies, companies like ours, companies like yours, like we're all, we are always, like all of us always talking about how we can build um, more successful, like more in-depth integrations with each other. And it's, and the reason that's so important is the data flow between the platforms is what allows the industry to actually take the next steps and change. So if we can start to send a reservation system or a reservation system can start to send us information around when the restaurant's going to be at max capacity, which we haven't done yet, then maybe we can start to do interesting things like dynamic pricing in the future. You know, like we're thinking about, we're getting asked a lot about like, what is, do we think there's a world where the prices on Friday and Saturday are different to the prices on Monday and Tuesday? I mean, they already are because you've got like happy hour and like Palmer Tuesdays and steak night Wednesdays. And there's other ways that we're, that we're solving for this. But dynamic pricing is so fascinating because um, there's a very there's, it's very true that you've got limited capacity in your restaurant. You've got to try and figure out a way to make the most of your um, restaurant capacity and you make the most amount of money on Fridays and Saturdays and you've only got like a few hours in a week to do it. So like, would people pay more for the best table in the house on seven, at 7.30 on a Friday? Probably. And should they? Probably. Because, you know, it's not, it's, it's a time that everyone wants to go. And in every other industry, like hotels and airlines, you know, it's demand and supply. And in your industry, it'd be demand and supply. When there's no bananas, bananas are bloody expensive, right? <laughs> like, so I think that, like, that's a question that we're trying to um, ask ourselves. Like, what is ethical? What will consumers accept? Um, definitely not a world where, like, every consumer inside the Russia is paying different prices. I think that's, like, not in the question for where we are today. But different days, different time. And how do we know that the restaurant's busy? Well, we can get that information from a reservation platform, right? Like Open Table or Seven Rooms or Now Book It, for example. And we're connected, like we're, we're, we, we have connections with all of them, not integrations yet, but we know them. And so how do we make that like a more interesting experience and how do we start to use the data that they're feeding us to do different prices? And if they weren't open to talking to us about that, like there is no way we would be able to um, take the take the next step in, in innovation. So I think the openness of the industry around like working together and sharing data for the good of the hospitality category is like miles apart, like so different to when we first started. When we first started, like I couldn't even get a POS company to reply to my email. They'd be like, nah, see you later, bye. Um, oh, they, they probably said something like we're building our own at the time. Yeah, yeah. it's like, well, fair, but you're building five other things at the same time. So we're only building guest experience products and we're focused on guest experience products. Um, and over time, customer pressure, you know, but also it's not just customer pressure. I think in the past, the platforms haven't been good at like not pointing fingers at each other. That's something we work very hard at. Like, like you're, not, you're not, if something goes wrong, like we, we're not in the business of going, oh, that's probably like your pause and it's never us. It's like, okay, well, let's try and work that out with them. And then we have so many meetings around support and integration with our partners to iron out as many um, communication flows and kinks as possible and try and be the best partner that we can be in the industry. So I think that's the reason there's going to be a huge opportunity, like just the appetite for not hoarding data anymore like the appetite for not like 
hoarding customers and hoarding data and like try and figure out what the best next move is for for hospitality i love that yeah no i think i think it makes a lot of sense i think that one of the things that comes through is um i think it's kind of like initially everyone wanted to do everything and i think it's kind of like as the industry's matured from a tech point of view um, we all realize that we need to be really good at one thing and we need to work with great partners on their great thing to create great experience. It's kind of, and, and with that comes this data for good rather than data for evil thing. Like I think Miss Yale's a great example that we've talked before about this topic, but like we do want to use data, but only for the good of everyone. Um, and your, your demand or the demand-based pricing is a great example, right? Supply and demand opportunities gives people opportunity to go experience a great venue at a, a cheaper price point when they might not have otherwise been able to, right? So you spread the demand curve over a longer period, more people get to experience and everyone's better off for it, right? Yeah. And we and you and I sit down all the time and we're like, you know, what what does an integration between Mistium and Automentum look like in future? And, you know, hospitality get criticized for, oh, they don't really understand their like margins or like they don't understand their cogs or I'm like, yeah, but like I, I I, I don't know how hard it is to run a really awesome restaurant, know everything about service, know everything about cooking, know everything about like, it's just, it's just a lot to, to get right. It's a lot to know. Mm. And so the question then becomes like, well, if we are sending, you know, if, if the recipes live somewhere, which is obviously something that we need, we need and the cogs come from you guys and the, and the and the sale prices come from us and like could we actually automate that and tell us what their margins were for the night rather than trying to make someone work on a spreadsheet or you know use a finance finance accounting product to try and figure it out so yeah I think many many admin problems will get solved by technology and data for good um and what we won't solve is like you know how to make their signature dish it's like i don't know <laughs> like we, we just we, we we just get to enjoy it right i mean that's what we yeah. want to do yeah um exactly. that that that's super exciting um tell me as you look forward um you know we've talked a lot about the integrations we've talked a lot i think you make a great point about how you we're just getting started here as an industry and i think you're right i think it's great um, individual examples but I think that end-to-end -end example is still emerging and that's super exciting um, what, are you what are you excited about in the industry over the next three years like what do you think are some of the themes that are really going to start to emerge and become a much bigger part of the conversation I think um, like there's I think I've talked about the kind of the tech side a little bit I think the stack will get more connected um, which is super exciting for restaurateurs because yeah, having to, you know, import, export your data, um, do stuff on spreadsheets, um, try to, you know, have a reporting system, a disparate system where everything's running in different places. It's like, then you need an extra person just to make sense of it all. So um, I think there'll be some pretty cool, um, like recommendations engines that are created soon, which uh, I, I, like, I like that word a little bit better than throwing in the, like AI word, you know, I think um, it's, uh, yeah, using using technology to make recommendations to guests um, based on personal preferences. I think that will start to land this year, that it will land this year for us, that's for sure. Um, 
but I think outside of outside of the tech side, I I love the evolution of um, kind of that middle. I don't know what the word would be, but like the category of restaurants that's not super fine dining um, and that more like casual, casual, more casual dining. Yeah, so yeah, I've seen it like even pop up in Sydney a lot more, um, which maybe wasn't as um, typical of Sydney five years ago, but it's starting to become more popular now. Um, and I think the kind of the the environments where there's a bit of a buzz. Um, like, how do you genuinely differentiate sitting at home from like going to a restaurant? Like you need to make it like fun and exciting with the right music, you know, with the right vibe, like with the right taste of food, with the right um, uh, drinks, etc. that you want, like drinks that you wouldn't make at home, like things that you wouldn't bother doing. So yeah, I'm excited to see how um, the, the best venues will continue to differentiate the experiences and start to peel away from it just being about serving dinner it's about like cool like coming to a restaurant is now in the experience category which it already is but I think it'll be it'll push into that more and more right quick pause um do you have a coffee there you should be drinking lots of coffee it might arrived halfway through that um <laughs> any 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 final questions you think that would be worth t- touching on before you finish no i'm good i'm good it's been um, um it's been fun i'll just do a quick wrap up then um kim yeah. big thank big big thanks for your time today um it's awesome watching um missy um i'm super passionate about your mission and vision and um yeah thanks for being one of the bastions helping digitize <laughs> um hospitality food service but for good um i think you're doing a great job and 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 i'm a big supporter from the side thanks for your support mate thanks for listening to beyond the craft we hope you enjoyed the conversation 